Hey, the mic works this morning. It's a good thing. Amen. Batteries back here if I need them. I don't plan on going that long. See what happens. I, hey, I heard an amen down there. I, I did. I told my wife that this week that I, I made a New Year's resolution as a pastor. As your pastor, I made a New Year's resolution to preach shorter sermons. All right? Now, I hear, I hear all of the silent amens that are happening. Okay? And so, as with resolutions, I need you to help keep me accountable. Okay? That does not mean that when it gets time that you think I should be done, that you need to stand up or do the old watch click or whatever, all right? We, we will make sure that we get it taken care of. But here's what I do want to start out this morning doing. I don't want to take just a moment. You have uh, some prayer slips right there in your pew, um, at the end of your pew. If, if they're down there, then you can pass them down to those on your pew. I want us to take just a couple moments, maybe pick out a name or two on that list, lift them up in prayer. Um, and, uh, and let's spend just a few moments praying for these on the list. I ask you to pray for my wife, too. She's not here this morning. Um, she's, uh, she's not feeling too great, and so uh, I'll be praying for her. But let's lift up uh, these that are on the list and, uh, as we get ready. And also ask the Lord to prepare your heart. So just spend a few moments in prayer, and I will, um, I will close this with that. Lord, how sweet to hear the silent meditation of your people, to know that in their hearts they're lifting up these. God, to know that in their hearts they're preparing for worship. God, to know that in their hearts they are indeed preparing for your word. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray that you would be with these that we have lifted up to you, be with those that are on our hearts. God, I pray that you would bring clarity, comfort, that you would bring consistency and conciseness, that you would bring your will in each of these. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. I have to agree with you, Shannon. I do believe that we have one of the best, one of the best worship bands and quite possibly the best singer in the United States of America. I did notice that nothing was mentioned about how great the pastor was <laughs> and the preaching of the word, but we will see how you feel when all this is said and done. It depends on how long the sermon is, right? If you have your Bibles, take and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I spoke last week about the word for the year for our church. Does anybody remember what it is? Intent. Intent. You guys need to pay better attention. No, I'm kidding. Maybe that needs to be the word for the year is attention. No. Intent. And so for the next few weeks, I want to lay out for you a vision of sorts for the year on how we will be intent 
in our church. And this morning, we're going to begin looking at being intent on His Word. Intent on His Word. A Trappist monk was allowed to say only two words every three years. And after the first three years, he said to the brother superior, Bad bed. And three years later, he came back and he said, bad food. And after three more years of silence, the monk said, no TV. And after three years had passed, this time the monk appeared with robes and sandals in hand and announced, I quit. To which the brother superior answered, it's no wonder. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. When it comes to our resolutions, when it comes to our intentions, they often come with complaint. I noticed that many of you made resolutions just through social media and talking with you. And now it's January the 6th, we're almost a weekend, and I ask, how's your resolutions going? Many of you might say, well, I'm sticking to it, got a good plan. Many of you say, well, I mean well. Many of you say, well, it didn't last past Tuesday. But here's the deal. If we're to be intent, we have to understand the sacrifice, the digging in that is necessary. And so with that, I want to look at God's Word as we talk about being intent on the Word, on His Word today. If you have your Bibles open to 2 Timothy chapter 3, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? I want to read the whole chapter for you because I believe it sets good context for what we are about to talk about. But know this, Paul writes to a young preacher, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people, for among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge to the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. They are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of John's and Jambres. But you, you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. Church, listen to the following words. But as for you, 
Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray together. Father, speak your word to us this morning. May we be intent on it. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. The word of God. It is profitable for us. Sitting amongst many church people, I hope that I would not have to drive that point home. But sadly, sometimes I feel like I do. The Word of God is profitable for us. For teaching, for correction, for rebuke, for training in righteousness. God's Word is the lifeblood of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. So why is it that so many of us, myself included, why is it that we struggle to dive into it? We struggle to read it. We struggle to memorize it. We struggle to live it out. We struggle to follow and obey it. If God's Word is the very breath of God to us, then why is it that we miss out on putting it into place in our life. If Paul had an encouragement for a young preacher named Timothy, that encouragement would definitely extend to us as well. You see, right here in the middle of 2 Timothy, Paul is writing an encouragement to a young man who sees the Word of God being taken more and more out of the life of believers. When we look at the context of what is here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 2 would tell us that the idea here is for us to pursue righteousness and holiness. We know that in the verses previous that Paul calls Timothy to be an approved worker. One who rightly divides the word of truth. One who takes his speech and puts it to use for the edification of the saints and for the glorification of God. His encouragement in verse 22 of 2 Timothy chapter 2 is flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. 
But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Chapter 3, but know this, church Know this, the world around you cares nothing about the Word of God. Hard times will come in the last days. I find it so incredible that Paul would write this to Timothy nearly 2,000 years ago. And yet its words may even be more relevant for us today. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. I just read for you what is nightly in our news and on primetime television. I just read for you what is common talk around the water cooler or at the child's ball game. I just read for you what we see on social media, on Instagram, constantly berating us, barraging us. And none of it has to do with the Word of God. And the encouragement here that Paul wants to give to Timothy is to be intent on his word. So I want to give you a few practical things this morning. How to be intent on God's word. This is going to be kind of a very base system, but if I had to be honest, I believe that most of us need these things in our life. Most of us need a coming back to the basics, the Word of God in its purest form for us. The first thing that I want you to know to understand in pursuing the Word of God is that the Word has purpose. You know, when it comes to New Year's resolutions, many people find it difficult to follow through when they don't see a great purpose in what they're doing. This usually happens in the form of this. I want to lose weight. I, I do that resolution like every year. You see that nothing sticks. But that's a common resolution. We want to be healthier. We want to do that. But then what happens is, is that we get two weeks in and we're eating cardboard and we're running 18 miles a day. And all of a sudden we look around and say, what is this good for? We still look down, we still see the same body, and we cease to have purpose behind it. Those who can find purpose, they do stick it out. But if we see no purpose, we don't stay with it. Guys, listen, this is one of the main reasons why Christians, we start out so fiery hot in the Word of God doing our personal Bible study. 
But then all of a sudden, the busyness of life, all of a sudden, the tiredness of life, all of a sudden, the rambunctiousness of life floods in, and all of a sudden, we're not doing our Bible study on a regular basis, if at all. Because we have ceased to see the purpose of it in our life. God's Word has purpose. Paul tells Timothy, God's Word is profitable for teaching. Some of you are Sunday school teachers. Some of you are parents that are teaching your child. The Word of God is profitable for that. It has purpose for that. It's profitable for rebuking. This is one of our favorites as Baptists. Listen, you know that person that just always says the wrong thing, takes Scripture out of context, has the craziest ideas? Well, that's what the Word of God is good for. For telling them they're an idiot. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to be honest that we often look and we say, well, what do I tell this person? Well, go find it in the Word of God. Guys, listen. There are so many people out there that will read anything on the internet, believe it, and then quote it back to you as if they came up with it or as if they were one of the charter members, and they will believe it as gospel themselves. Where is the Word of God at in our lives? To rebuke. That's important. For correcting. Word of God is important for correcting. Encourage each other by the word brothers. We should be Keeping one another accountable by the Word of God. I saw a meme this week that uh, had a page of the Bible and it had everything scribbled out except for the word judge not in chapter 7. And I thought to myself, this is what we've done with the Bible. This is what we've done with the Word of God in our lives. Is we've ceased to see the purpose and we only take one thing out of it rather than looking at the whole entirety of Scripture and rather than saying judge not... We need to be saying, brother, I'm going to keep you accountable, and I notice that you're in sin because of what God's Word says. And according to Matthew 18, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, listen, brother, I want you to come back to Christ. I want you to put those things of the world aside. And then if they don't listen to you, you go to a brother and you say, I need you to come and talk with me to him because the Word of God says this is wrong and he's doing it, and we need to encourage him. The Word has purpose for that. The Word has purpose for training in righteousness. If you're not plugged into a small group, you need to be. Because the Word of God is in the small group, training for righteousness. If you're not plugged in on Sunday nights, plug in. Be trained for righteousness. This year we're going to implement discipleship groups, D-groups, where two or three individuals are going to be put together so that they would be joined together in training for righteousness. That's what the Word of God is here for. It has purpose. And ultimately, if not by the Word of God, we would not know salvation. I love what Paul says to Timothy. But you've known this from infancy. It's been taught to you. The sacred scriptures which are able through wisdom for salvation. 
through faith in Jesus Christ. The Word has great purpose in our life. Secondly, the Word has priority in our life. Let's get down to some brass tacks. Let's get down to some bottom line stuff. The Word of God should be the number one priority in your life. Let me say that again. The Word of God should be the number one priority in your life. It should not be your family. It should not even be your church. It should not be your job. And I'm going to preach to myself for a minute. It shouldn't be your sleep or your tiredness. The number one priority in your life should be the Word of God. Why? Because it is so vital to everything that we are that it is that important. I want to give you just a couple things to help you make it a priority in your life. So if you're taking notes, you can write these down. The first one is that you should have a plan. You should have a plan. You should have a daily plan for how am I going to approach the Scripture. I'm not talking about a devotional. Hear me again. I'm not talking about a devotional. I appreciate the commentary that I see from many of God's men and God's women. I appreciate the thoughts and considerations, but if I am going to hold them higher than the Word of God, then I have missed the priority therein. I don't care what Francis Chan or Beth Moore have to say about the Word of God. I care about what the Word of God says. Now those things are definitely useful. And we use them on a regular basis. For instruction. But don't in your own personal life with the Scripture. Don't sell yourself out to somebody else's words rather than looking at the Word of God yourself. you got to have a plan. David sought him in the morning. you got to have a plan. How am I going to do this? When am I going to do this? you got to have a plan. I want to offer up to you a, a quick plan, and I talked about this last week, or actually I talked about this in the uh, newsletter this week. You have inside of your bulletin, and if you didn't get a bulletin, I encourage you to grab one on the way out. You have inside of your bulletin a 52-week reading plan for this year. There's five days a week on there, uh, one chapter a day. And as a church, we can walk through the New Testament this year together by reading one chapter a day. You have that guide there. It's a great plan. I would encourage you, this same guide is called Foundations New Testament. It's by uh, Robbie Gallaty. And I would encourage you, they have a book. They also have an app. They also have this reading plan on the Uversion app. So if some of you guys, you know, like we said last week, are sitting there playing Candy Crush and flipping back to your Bible, all right, there's a, there's a reading plan in there for you, all right? We'll also be emailing this out tomorrow so that you'll have it digitally there. And I will keep you up to date with the readings on our Facebook and Instagram pages. But this is a plan. 
This is a plan. Take it and use it. Use the tools that are available. And then you have a place. Daniel would always go and sit in front of his window. You have a place. I would encourage you. Don't just be flippant. Be very intentional about where you spend your time with God. Maybe it's your office at home. Maybe it's out on the back deck. Maybe a little cool for that here in the few days coming. But Maybe it's at the dining room table or at the bar in the kitchen, not at the bar down the street. Maybe it's sitting down with your kids and leading them in Bible study. Maybe it's in your bedroom with your spouse. My mom and dad faithfully have done their Bible study together for as long as I can remember. Sitting at two chairs in their bedroom. Pick a place that will help you. And also, here's kind of an idea. Have a plan, pick a place. And have, make sure it has pliability. That's a big word. Jesus would step away from time to time to spend time with the Father. We don't know necessarily that he did that at the same time every day. We know because of his ministry he was traveling, so it probably went at the same place. But we do know that Jesus made it a priority and he made it possible to do such. So I would encourage you, don't set some lofty goal like I'm going to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and study for two hours. The Holy Spirit's not even awake at that time. Make it something that is pliable, something that is functional. Don't wreck yourself over it. God's word is to be something we delight in, not something that we have duty towards. Make a plan, pick a place. Make sure that it's pliable, that it functions in your life. I want to close with this. Not only does the Word have purpose, and not only should it have priority in our life, but the Word has promise. Being intent on God's Word means that we claim all the promises therein, but I want to look at what Paul told Timothy here at the end of chapter 3. All scriptures inspired by God and is profitable. Verse 17, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Why do we need the word of God in our life? So that we can be ready to know him and make him known. Why should we be intent on the Word of God? Because it has the answer for everything that we need and everything that we are to do. Why should we be intent on the Word? Because it tells us absolutely how to follow Jesus Christ. And so my plea to you this year, Christian, is be intent on the Word of God. As a church, you're going to see some things in the coming days that bind us together to make us intent 
on the Word of God in our church. But I'm asking you personally, take this reading plan and put it to use in your life. Make sure that you're spending time in the Word of God daily. Learn to memorize Scripture and not just the easy ones. Learn to utilize and use Scripture in your daily life. Learn to cling to the promises of Scripture. That if God be for us as we sung, then who could be against us? Let's be intent on His Word. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. By way of response this morning, here's what I want us to do. The band's just going to play. I want you to spend a moment just considering times when God's Word has been profitable in your life. Christian, when have you clung to that one Scripture? Whether it be in hard times or whether it be in joyous times. Christian, when have you turned to that one Scripture for the advice that you needed? For the direction that you needed? Christian, what was the text what was the word of the Lord that spoke to you when you came to know him I remember John chapter 1 that he gives grace upon grace that no matter how many times I run from him no matter how many times that I sin no matter how many times that I reject him Grace upon grace, he is constant in his grace. That verse was shared the night that I gave my heart and life to Jesus. Because I saw that he was a gracious God, that I was a needy sinner. Maybe that's you this morning. While I'm not going to call anybody forward for this invitation, what I do want you to know is that the invitation is just a moment in the service. It has no beginning and no end. That when this service is done, you can come find this preacher and say, I want to know this grace upon grace. Christian, how are you going to be intent on the Word of God this year? How are you going to be intent Start making your plan. Find your place. Make sure that it works. We live in trying times, just as Paul had told Timothy. These are hard times. Find it interesting that Paul's answer for that was the Word of God. 
Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word in our lives. Father God, we thank you that Jesus was the word for us. God, I pray that we would be intent now, this year, intent on your word, focused and dedicated, consistent, following hard after you. God, I pray that now as we take this offering, God, I pray that you would be glorified in it. God, I pray that you would find us faithful in obeying your word that we're to give. That we're to give cheerfully. That we're to give graciously. That we're to give abundantly. Trusting and knowing that you are faithful in supplying all of our needs. God, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen.